Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, after the, after the you know, Robertson and then the, the Scherzer trades, you know, when I did a, a, a media debrief, you know, one of the things I, I highlighted there is that going into 2024, we, we will likely not have the same odds as we did going into 2022 and 2023. And when I speak of those odds, what, what I'm talking about is, you know, the last week of, of spring training, you know, a lot of the different, you know, uh, you know, experts or uh, sports books, whatever you want to call it, put out projections on over-unders. And so, you know, going into 2022, you know, our our, you know, kind of our band of, of predictions from whatever it is, whether it's inside of Vegas or whether it's, you know, The Athletic or ESPN or Fox or, or all, you know, The Post, and all of the, you know, the onlookers that are making predictions, you know, our band going into 2022 is somewhere between 86 and 90. And then our band going into 2023 this season was 88 to 95. Um, and so what we're trying to say is that we might not have those exact same odds going into 2020, uh, going into 2024, and you might not see another another record payroll. Um, and, and again, I'm I'm not a big fan of talking about what our payroll is going to be publicly and, and things because there's, there's a strategy component to that. But it, at the end of the day, we're going to put a competitive team on the field in 2024. Our players are here to win. We're going to expect to win. Um, and so it was just wanting to be very candid um, with kind of how we were going to approach the, the, the 2024 season. And you're going to see more younger, um, more younger players kind of integrated, that have integrated in our farm system, push their way into the major leagues. So that, that, you know, that's kind of our outlook for, for the 2024 season. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, September the 4th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can be showing up on podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram. Talking Mets, no G, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Well, happy Labor Day to everybody. I hope you're enjoying your long Labor Day weekend, the unofficial end of summer. With that comes September baseball. Unfortunately, we are again another edition of extended garbage time of the Talking Mets podcast, but I will tell you, Mets are giving us some things to talk about. So we have a show here on this holiday weekend where we can, you know, talk about a few interesting topics. Of course, the big news this week, the front office shakeup. Mets really shook things up 
in player development. We're still talking about the Pete Alonso and the trading of Pete Alonso and the horror of Pete Alonso getting traded. I mean, we're going to put some perspective into that. We're always talking about the future, the minor leagues, the prospects. Important, especially now, especially since the trade deadline. But are there a couple of gems on the Mets roster? Oh, we know about Mauricio. He made his debut. But are there some other gems that we're not talking about that could help the Mets in 2024 on this roster? And we will round out the show with a little bit about Doc and Daryl. I know that's about a week late, but their numbers were retired. And I'll give you some quick on-the-way-out perspective on Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. So you know the news by now. The Mets uh, decided to do some cleaning house on the player development front. Kevin Howard, the organization's director of player development, was a hitting coach after Chili Davis was fired a couple of years ago. Jeff Lebo, the director of pro player evaluation. They also fired their director of performance and director of baseball development without getting into the names because I I don't know if it really matters at this point. The Mets did a full shakeup of their player development pipeline. Not a surprise. We've talked about it on this show. For every McNeil, Alonzo, and guys like that, we've seen a number of players. And right now this year, you have to say that guys like Vientos and Beatty have been a big disappointment. And we'll see about Alvarez, Mauricio just you know, jammed into the scene this weekend with uh, a couple of big performances. So, you know, remains to be seen what else is out there. But all these individuals, it appears, have been hired, some for a long time, for over a decade, uh, prior to Cohen ownership, prior to Billy Epler. And I think what you're seeing now with the Mets and what's going on is the inevitability of what was going to happen because of how Cohen came to be an owner. Now, We've talked about this before, but it bears repeating because it's important to understand where they're, where they are, where they're going, and how difficult it has been over the last couple of years to do what the Mets are doing. Actually, quite historic. And I think that's the part, for all those that criticize Cohen, for all those that criticize Epler, it's important to repeat where this came from. So, Mets get their team sold right after the 2020 pandemic season. That sale doesn't go through. Until November 1st. So no offseason planning. I'm sure there was some sort of transition with the Wilpons. But I mean, honestly, with the pandemic, with all that was going on with the sale, with the front office already being lean in certain areas, specifically analytics, um, you know, it's not a clean transition. So Cohen comes in. Sandy Alderson is a consultant, so to speak, president of baseball operations. He comes in to help get him approved. He helps him be the bridge to the old Mets, the Wilpon Mets, to whatever Cohen's vision is. And we all know what happened. GM comes on. A couple of weeks later, he gets pinched in an off-the-field incident. They bring in Zach Scott, his assistant, who was part of the team. He, uh, you know, it doesn't work out with Zach Scott. He winds up having off-the-field issues and gets fired. Then Epler comes in. Epler starts putting his own people in, but there's a lot of the the older uh, holdovers in the regime. Alderson's kind of there to see the transition. They can't hire a player in baseball operations. That was the initial plan before Epler. So they settle with Epler. Sandy kind of comes and goes. And right now it's been Epler's show. And, you know, I listened to Epler yesterday on uh, MLB Network Radio with Duquette and Jim Bowden. And if you don't think Epler's going to be around a while and that Cohen's not charging him with, at least on the GM front, with the direction of the team, the big league roster and a lot of the philosophies of what this organization is looking for, you're not paying attention. And, you know, let me make this clear before I even get into why this happened. 
Cohen has gone on record saying that Apple will be part of the hiring process for the president of baseball operations. Now, I still find it hard to believe, and, and I'm not one of these David Stearns fan clubs type of people, because look, I don't know what to expect out of David Stearns. It's not like he's coming in with Theo Epstein's resume. I mean, he's coming in as a talented guy who did some nice things in Milwaukee, and we're acting like, you know, Bill Parcells is walking in the building. We're acting like uh, Branch Rickey's walking in the building. And, and I don't even know, knowing how this whole setup where Cohen brought in Epler, and Epler's going to be working for somebody that he's helping pick, not exactly the most ideal scenario, I'll be honest. I'm not really crazy about it, but that's because that's where the Mets are at. Everything has been, for Cohen, difficult because of the one overarching scenario that that's all their own doing. The Mets have wanted to compete and win at a high level while they build up the organization. So they had to kind of, at each juncture, have that overarching philosophy while they're retrofitting all the parts of the organization. What really should have been done? The thing should have been stripped down to the studs. Uh, they should have been bad for a couple of years while they figured out all this front office stuff. And away you go. Now, I give Cohen a lot of credit. That would have been the easy thing to do. Nobody would have criticized him for it. However, from a business perspective, from a brand perspective, you and I both know uh, not the way a new owner wants to come in being known as the Mets of the, the, the process version of the Mets where they tank for three, four, five years. Now, things might be glorious a half a decade away, but that's not how he wanted to do it. He wanted to get to that point. But he also wanted to have a competitive big league roster using his money with his new toy as part of that. So because of the way that it's gone, you've had this weird parts of the organization where certain departments are newer and more progressive and beefed up with the Cohen philosophy. Other departments may be lagging because you can't blow up an entire organization overnight. You can't get ready for the 2021 season when you're hired in November. You take over the team in November. Epler was hired right right around Thanksgiving in 2021. You know, and he had to, in the middle of free agency that had already started, conversations had started, he had to jump right in. And then you had the lockout. So think about that. You also have the lockout and all this. So you're finally seeing, as we settle into the end of 2023, you know, second full season of Epler's regime, third full season of Cohen ownership, you're starting to see them address and build up the organization. And I think that the fact that they failed this year gave them the impetus to really go out and, and do this now, you know, you already blew up the roster with some of the veterans. You, you, you got some kids coming in, very valuable assets. Epler talked about how all these guys would be considered first round picks. If they were in the draft this year and one Gilbert was a first round pick in the draft. So they really feel good about what they imported. But now it's about, you know, going forward. And I said this, Epler's whole tenure is going to be based on, even if he wins a championship at some point, his whole tenure, his whole job security is going to be based on the fact that they start developing young, some of it high ceiling, some of it, you know, roster components pipeline from their farm system it cannot be the Mets going out and buying every single reliever every single positional player it's not sustainable even with this owner even with his wealth so how do you do that how do you become a player development pipeline that 
you know, you want to be there with the Dodgers, you want to be there with the Braves, and so on and so forth. You got to have good people who know how to go out there and and get the job done. Now, uh, reading up a little bit about some of these guys and, and hearing what some of those that have covered the minor league system, some of the criticism about this system is that the coaches, and I think the way they describe Kevin Howard is somebody that, and I agree with this, uh, you know, goes out and works with each individual player with the skill sets that they have. That's the way I believe it should be. What a lot of these more analytically inclined front offices want to do is they want to fit the player into doing certain things and becoming a certain way. And if you're not that kind of player, they just cast you aside. So, you know, when you start to look at that, and I'm piecing together information that's outside here that's reported, you you start to see where this team is going. My biggest concern, and you see it across town with the Yankees, I mean, to the point where Hal Steinbrenner is looking to bring an outside consulting firm to figure out what the hell is going on, is that an analytics department comes in and takes over and makes their recommendations. But often I feel, because they cloak themselves in data and science, so to speak, that they're always immune to the accountability. So if something doesn't work, well, the data said it worked, it must be something wrong with the people. It must be something wrong with the player. Instead of saying, did I interpret the data and put the real-world situation in front of me and make the best educated decision from all angles? Now, Epler has positioned himself since he came in as a guy that's not just the data guy, and he's from the Gene Michael tree. Gene Michael's a scout at heart. Sure, he used data, but if I had to just from an outsider's perspective take a guess, Gene Michael was 70% scouting, 75% scouting, 25% data. And I'm sure he had people, I mean, Brian Sabin, guys in that front office that have gone on for, have very successful careers, all were kind of the same way. Is Epler going to fall into that category? I guess we'll see. Epler comes across more and more as someone that leans heavily on data and less on scouting. And I personally, knowing where Cohen's background is, coming from the hedge fund world, the financial world, which is heavy data, you know, knowing his poker playing, you know, probabilistic DNA as a, as a poker player, as a younger man, uh, you have to think that Cohen's okay with that. So whoever has been jettisoned out, my guess is they're not fitting into the data-driven approach that this organization wants to employ going forward. Now, the developmental lack thereof of a Brett Beatty and maybe a Vientos, guys that came with some promise. Did that play into it, especially with Beatty? I don't know. It's interesting. I, I have to tell you, um, Beatty is going to be an Alvarez, and not so much Vientos, because I always think there was questions about Vientos. But Beatty and Alvarez, for this uh, regime that just went out the door, uh, are kind of going to be the poster children to what what happens going forward. Because whatever they did with these guys, and I think Alvarez has shown some potential of course he's as you could expect with the ebbs and flows of the league figuring him out he's working to figure them out back so it's going to be this cat and mouse game so to speak we'll see if if Alvarez can go to the next phase and say okay had success had a pitfall figured that out had success again and then now he's trying to get into you know the next phase of his development it's a constant adjustment and those who are smart enough to learn the adjustments will be successful and maximize their talents those that don't uh, you know, quite simply, will be out of the league. I mean, that's the way it goes. So we'll see what September brings. We'll see how that works. But 
really these guys are the last vestiges of the development that that, that you know that comes under that group. Now you have your big pitchers, and and that could have played into it where you know maybe and Kevin Howard was a hitting guy, but maybe with some of this player development, they know they have some special talent in these pitchers. They've had talent that's been drafted over the last couple of years, and they're saying to themselves, we need to do it our way. Epler wants to do it his way. I think he did the right thing. He came in. He evaluated the organization. He addressed and attacked different parts of the organization that needed fixing right away, that aligned with winning at the big league level because that was what of utmost importance. Remember, this was done backwards. Winning at the big league level and winning at a high level was priority 1A, 2A, 3A when Cohen, since Cohen has taken over. Up until July 31st of this year, that was the priority. That changed on July 31st when Max Scherzer walked out the door. Maybe a couple of days earlier when Robertson walked out the door. Now it's about development, but it's also about winning. So now you have a situation where Epler's on MLB Network Radio. He's talking to Duquette. He's talking to Bowden, two former GMs. You can't BS them. But he's talking about a couple of things. Number one, they're looking to be in the starting pitching market. If I had to take a guess, when they talk about backing down on spending, and what really Epler clarified himself in the interview about was, and he goes back to Vegas and preseason probabilities, how, you know, whether it be Fangraphs, New York Post, Athletic, Vegas, has a range of what they expect the over-under. In the last couple of years, they've ranged the Mets from 85, 86 wins to up to 95 wins. Elite teams that are projected to be at the top of the sport. The teams that Epler has talked about and said, these are the teams that have a 17 to 18% chance of winning a championship. He doesn't expect to be looked at like that with Vegas because of some of the young players, some of the uncertainty, the fact that maybe they're not just going in to win the offseason. I've talked about this a lot. San Diego's done this a couple times. The Mets now have done this. Just because in December, right before Christmas, you make a big splash, get a headline, and everyone feels warm and fuzzy while they're drinking their eggnog, that doesn't mean you win a championship. That means nothing, actually. It's fun off-season conversation. It warms your heart on a cold winter day, but it doesn't win you a championship. And the Mets have fallen into that. So maybe now they're looking at the roster, they see what they have, they see what they have coming up, and they're like, hey, we don't have to spend that kind of money to win. We've got to spend smartly. Off the bat, he talked about the need for more starting pitching. Despite the fact that Tyler McGill has pitched better, Peterson has pitched a lot better, I look at those guys at best coming into the spring as six to seven guys. You have no idea what you're going to get out of Buto. Yes, you have Lucchese uh, as a potential uh, back in the rotation starter. He has shown a little bit. You know, he's not a guy that goes deep into games. But again, you have a lot of guys now, Lucchese, McGill, Peterson, maybe Denny Reyes, but these guys are all going to, at best, 7, 8, 9, 10 on the, the depth chart. And then you have your young arms, your Christian Scott, your Tyler Stewart's, your Mike Vazels. You have all those things, plus you have to figure out who you have to put on the 40-man and who you don't because you have some young arms, some young positional players that may need to go on the 40-man so you don't lose them in the Rule 5 draft. And the way that teams tank now, they're liable, you know, it's bigger risk than ever that somebody gets thrown on a roster. They have any semblance of talent and, uh, you know, you'll lose them. You'll lose them. And, and and then that's it. You know, it, uh, it you lose a good prospect. So all that stuff comes into play. Don't believe me. There was a catcher at one point that the Mets had 
and I'm going to find his name because I, I just right now I can't think. I think it's Jesus Flores. Yes, Jesus Flores was the Mets. Let me make sure I got you the right. Uh, yes, Jesus Flores was a big-time prospect. Now, he fizzled out in the Mets organization, a catcher. In 2006, he was at high A. The Mets let him, kept him unprotected. And he had a good year at high A, even though they didn't feel he was ready at 21. Nats put him on the roster all year. He wound up having a couple of good years with the Nats. So you don't want to see that happen. Um, so there's a lot of decisions that have to be made going forward. The Mets are going to have to be into the free agent market. I think Japan and Yamamoto is an option. I think Otani's a conversation all of itself. You know, you guys like, like Jordan Montgomery, some good, you know, you know, mid-tiered valued starters that could contribute at this point. So the Mets are going to be in that market. Now, as far as on the offensive side, you know, I think they'll be a little less aggressive on big names because you potentially do have a baby uh, in the lineup. Akuna is a guy who uh, Epler feels could play all three up the middle positions, shortstop, second, and, and center field at a high level in the big leagues. I mean, think about that. A player that has speed can play defense at three premium positions. I mean, that's valuable. The versatility is going to be a big thing. Um, you know, we'll talk about this in the next segment, but what other, is there any foray on this roster? Is a DJ Stewart somebody that could help? So I think if anything, the Mets are going to be more inclined to go after the pitching market in free agency and play it a little bit more value-driven on the offensive side because that's, uh, as crazy as it sounds, the easier side to fix. Now, as far as the whole president of baseball operations, I don't know who they're going to hire. Gammon says it's going to be in a couple of weeks. Everybody seems to think Stern, Stern, Stearns, and I know what I've, some people have said. Hey, Mike, you discounted all the rumors about DeGrom to Texas and what have you. In the end, even with the DeGrom to Texas rumors that persisted throughout last year, it took money and the Mets basically handing DeGrom over to the Texas Rangers for that to happen. So just because everybody feels Stearns is the guy because that logic proof fits in the media world doesn't mean that's going to happen. And something tells me, and you know, something tells me there's so much smoke, there's so much fire, it's so obvious that it's not going to happen. And then I go back ultimately, and I'm going to tell you from a, from a perspective, a management perspective, I don't agree with this. You should not have the person, the general manager, uh, re- you know, help hire whose boss is going to be. Because I don't know how that's going to work. And I don't know how anybody who's coming into this situation with how hard this is, an owner that wants a first-class minor league player development pipeline while at the same time competing. And Epler said it again. He did not say, unless he's BSing the fans, and I really don't think Cohen would want that. I think Cohen wants to BS the fans that they will be they will be a team that's expected to win coming out of spring training. They will be participants in the free agent market. He didn't say they'd be on in everybody. Doesn't mean they're going to go after Blake Snell and sign him until his late 30s or Julio Urias. I don't think those are the kind of free agents they're going to sign, but they're going to sign guys. They're going to sign even B-level guys. They're going to be, because of their spending power, they're going to be the favorites to land a lot of these guys because these guys are going to get very, very lucrative contracts for what may be just short-term plug the gap while they wait for some of their younger players uh, to be ready. So uh, I don't agree with that. I think that's how it's going to go. I do think you're going to see a president baseball operation, but Cohen has also indicated that that person is not necessarily just going to be if he hires a team president. You know, he, you're assuming he's going to be president of baseball operations. That one might be more inclined to be about the business in total. I mean, think about 
in other areas. You know, Madison Square Garden back in the 90s, you had Bob Gukowski, who ran the Garden, and then the, the, they had the Rangers and the Knicks, and they had their, their, their sports people running those teams. Dave Check, it's a guy um, who wound up running Madison Square Garden. You know, maybe it's like that. Those guys come in, they're at bigger picture. Is that what Stearns wants? You know, bigger picture? That doesn't mean they're going to be figuring out the trades. That's Epler's job. Yes, they're involved. Yes, they have their own say. It's still your boss. But day in and day out, they're not the ones making the phone calls. They're not the ones that are creating ideas. The ideas are brought to them. And you don't need David Stearns to go out and sign Shohei Atani. You don't. You don't need him to sign Josh Hader. I mean, just because somebody played for the Milwaukee Brewers, the Mets are clearly capable. Epler and whoever's there is clearly capable of knowing who from the Milwaukee system. If you want to trade Pete Alonso to Milwaukee, you got to go with the scout just because Stearns is there. Is Stearns even a player development guy? I mean, uh, you know, he sometimes, you know, Epler even said it. Epler comes from more of a player development background than even Stearns. He's got his scouts helping him or helped him during the deadline figure out which one of these prospects they acquired for Verlander and for Scherzer made sense from a variety of standpoints, including the analytics that are there. All of this, you know, in the end is where this team is going. I don't like the process of hiring the, the president of baseball operations and keeping Epler, which makes me think that that individual is not just going to be about baseball, is going to be broader, and I don't think it's going to be Stearns, and I have no information on that. Um, I worry a little bit about the analytics department now being this monster that dictates everything without accountability. That's been my issue with analytics from the start. There is no accountability because they, they hide behind the data and science. Mets are going down this path. We knew they were going to go down this path under this owner. It has been successful for teams like Houston and the Dodgers, uh, Tampa. Although I will tell you, I think the hidden secret with a lot of these teams, maybe take the Astros out of it, who have been anti-scouting. I've heard Tampa is just as good at scouting as they are analytics. Um, you know, and their guys don't get a lot of credit for that. Same thing with the Dodgers. I think there's a tremendous amount of scouting in Atlanta and L.A. in addition to analytics being played. So hopefully the Mets employ more of a hybrid approach and hold the analytics department and those who run the analytics department very accountable to the results because I think that's what you're seeing across town with the Yankees and one of the biggest gripes from many members of the media that have been covering that team in a while that at times they've gone so in on analytics that they've lost their way and there hasn't been any accountability in that front. So so that's where you're at. The Mets are cleaning up the pipeline. This all started because... They couldn't necessarily build a team the right way. In a perfect world, Cohen would have bought that team in the middle of 2020 or early 2020 during the pandemic, or hopefully there would have been no pandemic. That would have been ideal. But if there was no pandemic, then maybe Cohen's not the owner. Again, stupid conversation to have now. Um, and and build it up the right way or the traditional way. They're doing a lot of stuff backwards. Will it work? I guess we'll see. But make no mistake, anybody who thinks Billy Epler's out of here in the next month with a new president of baseball operations, even if that's the title, because I think it's going to be team president. I don't think it's just be president of baseball operations. I feel like that's where this is going to go, just be the way they're behaving. Or even if it's the president of baseball operations, their job is going to be so much bigger than this, the transactions, building an organization, building the structure of the organization and the overall team. Um, Epler's going nowhere. Epler's going nowhere, and his philosophies and his fingerprints are going to be all over this organization, and quite honestly, he's done a fairly good job. Uh, he did a great job at the deadline acquiring talent. Most of his free agents worked out. 
Uh, ultimately, this year will be marked by the bad pitching and Scherzer and Verlander's inconsistencies and age basically showing up overnight, a fear we had. The minute that Scherzer signed, the same fear we had when Verlander signed, that you know Father Time could poke his head out at any moment with those guys. Remember Tom Glavin. That's what this season will be about. You're seeing that with Verlander and Houston with the inconsistencies. You're seeing some of the concerns with Scherzer, how you know the little aches and pains add up. And the other night, great six innings, giving up one hit, can't go back out for the seventh. They have to manage and monitor him. Those are guys that are really good, but ultimately right now not guys that could bedrock an anchor rotation without the help of a number of other uh, high uh, potential starters, and, and the Mets don't have those guys. You know, Kodai Singa obviously has been a big surprise. From a free agent standpoint, he hit on everything last year, Epler. He's done pretty good this year. Um, I think the real criticism is, and I think this is not totally all his fault, is the player development pipeline hasn't worked. You don't come in in the middle of a lockout and make that uh, happen overnight. It just doesn't. So, anyway, that's where we're at. That was the big news of the week. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what do the Mets have on the roster? We know about Mauricio. We know about Beatty. We know about Alvarez. You know, exciting to see Mauricio come up here and hit the ball 120 miles an hour. But... What else do the Mets have on this roster? And are there any names we could look at that could potentially help the Mets compete and win in 2024? You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.